Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. Hey, we're still talking about the Father Heart of God. Is that okay? I got Ron's permission, so I'm going for it. <laughs> Man, this is, this is so, it's so critically important. Why, do you remember why we said that it was so important to get this foundational stone in place in our life and the wall of our heart? Do you guys remember? Because if we don't have a right view of God, we will, have, we will make so many mistakes in interpreting what life is throwing at us and what Father God is doing in the midst of the circumstances. We live in a fallen world. Not, it's, all not, it's not all pretty. And we will misinterpret what's happening in our life if we have a wrong view of Father God. Over the last few weeks, we've talked about, in effect, we started out with God is really good. Is that right? He's really good. Man, and I'm telling you, if you're facing anything in your life and, you, and, and, and in your mind you're like, mm, I'm, not, I'm not really sure, you just need to come back to that. If you know nothing else, you just come back to that. No, I know this. I know my God. He's really good. I may not understand and I don't have to understand. I just know this. I just know He's really, really good. And I'm telling you, that's a place that creates rest and peace in your life. It's a place of the restoration of joy when it looks like all hell is literally levied against you. Leaning back in, I don't understand, but I know that you're good. I'm telling you that piece alone. But we've also learned, we learned brilliantly last week from Pastor Todd that God's a zealous God, isn't it? Yeah, we talked about, we talked about the fierceness of, of, of Papa God, the, 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 the Papa Bear, Mama Bear syndrome. Like, and, and who was the designer of that? It's Father God, right? because he's zealous over you. He's, he's a fierce protector over you. He just wants you to worship and not get entangled in all this. He's a fierce protector of you. He's, he's zealous over you. Like there's no one who knows you more than him. He's designed you. He's created you with purpose and specific intent. He released your specific personality, your specific gifts to you. It says that he set aside good works for you to walk in. And I'm telling you, there's no greater advocate in your life than Father God. He is your biggest cheerleader for you stepping into the God-given design on your life for the way you're supposed to walk, interact with people for the stuff you're supposed to step into, for the ministry you're supposed to have to your sphere of influence. There is no greater cheerleader than our Father God. And he's zealous. He's zealous over you. He's zealous against your enemies. He's zealous against that which keeps you from his presence. We also learned that he's a beautiful vine dresser, that he's meticulous and intentional about his uh, physician precision and the cuts that he makes in our life. And we're going to lean into that just a little bit more today. We're going to talk a little bit more about the discipline of God. And we're going to relate that to the pruning. See, the deal with the pruning is this. He's pruning those who are actually abiding in him and who are bearing fruit. But the reason that he's pruning you is because your fruit has been inhibited by something. So, so what, are we, what are we talking about? We're talking about the discipline of God. We're talking about barriers in my life to the development of the fruit, that, the abundance of fruit that he actually has. We're talking about him coming with physician's precision to actually address the root of the issue in my heart and in my life. This is the pruning of Father God. The trouble we have with this conversation about the discipline of Father God is that so many of us didn't have a great earthly example. 
You know, and, and so if I were to ask you, you know, what, what are the first things that come to mind when you think about the way in which a father, an earthly father, would discipline his son and daughter, what are some of the ways, you can just speak it out to me, what are some of the ways that you have seen that a father will discipline his children? Yell, yell that didn't come out for service, that's a good one, so, so yell, good. Harshness. Come on, you got some stuff. It's okay if it's bad, it's okay if it's good. There's no right or wrong. Sorry? Ground them. Ground them. We've all experienced. How many of you in here have been grounded? So everyone. Take stuff away. Kind of another form of grounding. Oh, good. Now you're coming at me. What? A whoop. So a whooping. I like that. Whoop that boy. Setting rules. Setting, setting some boundaries. I heard somebody over here, and I, and I missed it. So a, so a parental figure who is disappointed in you. Boy, I am so disappointed in you. Boy, that doesn't feel good. Showing you how to do it right. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yes, ma'am. Withdrawing from you. So disconnection. Disconnection as a form of punishment. See, we're talking about the, the discipline of Father God, and we understand that the Bible talks about, well, uh, you know, a good father, and our, our, we've already established the Father in heaven's a really good one. A good father, he's going to discipline his children, uh, his children. The problem is we have a flawed definition of what discipline is. Is God, you know, it, will God discipline his children? Yes. Am I, a, am I a child? Am I a son of God? Yes, I am. Oh, great. You know, and, and any of us who are under 40, <laughs> I can't say that. <clears throat> I'm getting closer to the other mark now. <laughs> any of us who are under 40 in here, you probably grew up in a culture where it's like, just you, just you wait till your dad, just you wait till your dad gets home. You know what I mean? He's like getting his belt. He did what? Getting his belt off, right? He's just like, oh man, he's going, out, he's going after the, the rawhide. I mean, it's like, you know, it, like in, back in the day, all the belts were made like in America, so they didn't break. So it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, Nick! you know, you're like, oh my gosh. Like, I just, whoo, right? This is the, di- how many of you ever had a wooden spoon? See that? That's what I'm talking about. That, that's why they don't make wooden spoons anymore, right? They're like, <laughs> Hey, we've, we've progressed. They're like, don't give mama a wooden spoon. Like, yeah. But the plastic ones hurt too. They got a little flex in them. It's like, mm, yeah, you know. Like I, my mom actually broke a yardstick over me one day. Oh, is, uh, you know, I actually don't remember how much pain there was because I started laughing and then, <laughs> and then she started crying. So sorry, mom. And I was like, oh, I broke her. Right? Mm, that's not like, so that didn't really go well for either one of us. Yeah, and I'm, I try to remember, I'm like, was it like the long end, like the hard end, or was it the, you know what I mean, like, which way did she give me a whack on that thing to break it? I don't know, but I got to steal behind. You know, I've even heard of kids, I've even heard of kids like putting in plates, you know what I mean? And here goes dad, he's like, bong, wait a second, something is funny about this. Right? We, we, we have come from a punishment paradigm. Like most of us have, have understood like, that this was discipline. This is what discipline looks like from the Father. But I'm, I'm here to submit to you that when we apply that to the Bible, we're wrongly applying it. We've got our definitions wrong. Yeah, we look at the, the Webster's Dictionary, and just in, in case you were curious, the Web, Webster's Dictionary actually continues to evolve. And so the dictionary you have today is different than the one 
that was issued 10 years ago. Okay, So I actually dig into the Webster's uh, 1828 version. You know, Believe it or not, that's the one that I use, the tried and true. How many of you know that the Webster's Dictionary was actually created to help you understand the Bible better? Ooh, my, how times have changed. Look at these beautiful girls. Well, we, I can't even whistle. How are you supposed to do a cat call? You can't whistle. Somebody else do it. <laughs> Toby's got it down. Hey, we can pray. We've got a ministry team up. No, I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. <laughs> oh, that was you? <laughs> I like that even better. Sorry to throw you under the bus, buddy. I just thought, you know, it's like she's right directly by. I'm so sorry. I should have I known it was Peggy Poister. You know, she's a, she's an ornery boy. You've got to watch her. Listen to, the, listen to the definitions. 1828 version. Punishment. Any pain or suffering inflicted on a person for a crime or an offense. Okay. Versus discipline. To learn. Education. Instruction cultivation and improvement, uh, comprehending that instruction in arts, science, uh, correct sentiments and morals and manners, and the due subordination to authority. So coming under our authority. Hmm. In Christian circles, I mean, we talked about, well, actually, maybe many of you are from Christian circles, you know, and maybe it's a 50 I don't even know. But in Christian circles, we used to hear, you know, spare the rod, spoil the child. Spare the rod, spoil the child. You understand that came out of the Old Testament, though. We're not there anymore. We're over. We're in the new side. Spare the rod, spoil. Okay, all right. So it got lost. It got lost. <laughs> not sure what to do with that. Spare the rod, spoil the child. The question we have on our table is this: Which one is God? Is God a punisher or is God a disciplinarian? And that's the question we aim to answer today as we continue. The problem is this. Punishment by itself aims to curb behavior. It aims to curb behavior, but it has little results in actually addressing the issues of the heart. How many of you ever you had a parent, you know, and you were being a little rowdy, you were doing something, and, and you heard from the other room, you better knock that crap off! And then there's silence. Oh, you got what you were after, right? Yeah, it's the, it's the yelling that we heard earlier, the, the, the yelling discipline that gets the results of the correction of behavior. But that kind of punishment doesn't really investigate What's behind the behavior? See, if you have somebody who's a child who's acting out, if you're acting out, see, it's a du- dual thing that we're looking at. We're looking at uh, the genuine sense in which this applies to our own parenting, and we're looking at the macro sense in which it applies to the way that Father God parents us as his children, right? It applies really directly to both. And you have... The sense in which punishment is going simply after behavior, not addressing the issues of the heart, because it doesn't have the ability to ask the question, why? Why is that happening? Why, why is my child acting out like that? You have a child who comes home from school, and out of character, they're, 
bouncing off the walls and they're being seemingly rebellious and you don't know what's going on and you can punish it, you can nip it, or you can investigate and figure out why is this child acting out of character. See, there's a big difference between the two. One's about behavior management. The other one's actually trying to find out what's going on inside of there. What is it that's actually happening in your heart that's contributing to this behavior? I want you to consider this morning, it's going to sound heretical in some ways, that God doesn't care about your behavior. You have to pause long enough for heretical effect. He doesn't care about your behavior. He's concerned with your heart. Because when you get your heart right, behavior naturally comes in line. See, the issue isn't, the issue isn't what, what, what I'm doing, what I'm, what I'm saying, and, and all of that. Like, like the, the issue isn't that, that I'm rebellious externally. The issue is that I'm actually rebellious on the inside. And that's manifesting on the outside. And if you want genuine transformation in your life or in the life of your child, you actually have to go out of the, you have to go on the discovery tour of what is actually in there. What is it that's on the inside that is the catalyst for this behavior manifesting on the outside? We've been taught to just go after the outside to nip that stuff. Here's the thing. Suppose for a second that I have a rebellious teenager. I've got, I have at least two of them. Three now. We inherited Molly Hunter. She's tough. I can see they've never been disciplined in that house. Just kidding, Amy. Suppose for a second I have a, a, rebellious, a rebellious teenager. You know, I could probably keep their behavior in line by making their life miserable, right? Now, what, what does that look like? Well, you know, you're going to go to your room, prom? <laughs> no, that's laughable. No, you can't go to prom. The state fair, not going to happen. You know, any life outside of this home, not going to happen. Uh, remember that car you drive? Not going to happen. Those electronics in your bedroom? Nope. I mean, I'm going to take it. What do you like? I'm going to strip it from you and, to, and bring your behavior into alignment through that punishment. And if we're being honest, we recognize that, 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 that punishment often is fueled by a parent's anger. It's often fueled by their anger, and it's meant to have a lasting sting to dissuade us from any future deviance of behavior. Right? Hey, remember that swat you took? Yeah. Hey, it's meant to correct the behavior. And I can probably bring my rebellious teenager's heart, or not, excuse me, I could bring their behavior into alignment by making their life miserable. But am I doing anything to address their heart with my punishment? Am I doing anything to actually fix the problem that exists? Now, see, what happens in, in, in a place where this kind of punishment is happening without respect to uh, working with one's heart to figure out why this behavior is present, what, what happens in these kinds of scenarios is you might be able to get their behavior in line, and most parents are pretty happy with that, right? But really what they're doing is biding their time until such a day comes when they can get out, out from underneath your control and out of your house, and the question is whether the punishment paradigm is actually creating more connection or more disconnection. 
What would you think? Does it, does it feel like it's creating connection or disconnection? It's creating disconnection. Now, here's the thing. Jesus came. It says that he had the ministry of reconciliation. So he was out reconciling the world to Father God. Okay, so let's, let's put another name behind that. That Jesus, his ministry, and, and, and now your ministry in partnership with Christ, like our ministry is to actually bring people into connection with Father God. Okay, well, we just talked about how punishment is bringing people in, in disconnection. A, a, a rebellious child who's being punished might correct their behavior, but on the inside of their heart, they're actually disconnecting. And if disconnection is the result of punishment, then it's actually doing the exact opposite of the ministry of Christ, of that which he was sent to do, of that which you were called to partner with. I would submit to you that it also go, flies in contrast to the very words of Christ. In comparing, rather contrasting, the Old Testament from the New in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says this. He says, You have heard that the ancients were told, you shall not commit murder, and whoever commits murder shall be liable of the court. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court, and whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, will be guilty before the supreme court. And whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. That's scary stuff. A little bit further down, he says this, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. See, the Old Testament was dealing with the actions. It was dealing with keeping everything, uh, my behavior in check over here. But the New Testament, Jesus ups the ante. It says that he actually fulfilled the law. He didn't abolish it. So he's actually upping the ante. You were told you were supposed to keep these behaviors in check, but what you didn't understand all along is that I was really after the things of the heart. Like, I'm actually looking on the inside. I'm not looking at that behavior. I'm looking at the thing that motivates you to be that angry against your brother, that you would say those things. And in Christendom, we've kind of bought into this lie. We're like, well, if I just think it on the inside, but I don't act, then I'm not in sin. Uh, yes, you are. According to the Bible, your thought life, your internal framework is actually more important than the external because the external is coming from this. Well, if I just think it in my heart, I'm good. I didn't execute on it. Hey, good for you. I'm glad you got your behavior in order. Now get your heart in check because you're still in sin. Isn't that what it says? Jesus is concerned about the stuff on the inside, not the outside. It says, out of the abundance, Matthew chapter 12, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So in other words, what's happening around me is as a result of what's happening in me. Listen to this, admonishing the Pharisees in Matthew 23. It says this, What are you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites? For you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside they're full of robbery and self-indulgence. How many of you know he's talk, talking about the Pharisees? He's not talking about the vessel. He's talking about them, the vessel. right? You blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and of the dish so that the outside may become clean also. If punishment merely deals with the external behavior of someone, then the punishment paradigm is inconsistent with the very words of Christ, who said that it's all about what's on the inside. Let me say that a different way. The punishment paradigm 
is not consistent with the Word of God. I'm giving you a lot to think about, I can tell. The punishment paradigm is not consistent with the Word of God. It deals merely with the behavioral issues. Let's suppose again. Ooh, I've already talked about that. Yeah, let's suppose that I had a teenager who's rebelling. I think I said this too. Thank you, Lord. You're doing such a good job preaching this. <laughs> Ooh, I was going to say about disconnection or connection. You know, if I have a rebellious teenager, you know, and, and I'm bringing punishment and not well, the contrasting discipline, you know, am I establishing more connection or more disconnection? The answer clearly is, is disconnection. Let's just suppose for a second too. Let's just suppose that that disconnection actually lies at the heart of my child's rebellion. By the way, consider that because that's true. Disconnection is at the heart of my child's rebellion. And then my punishment is to disconnect them from family. Go to your room. Am I fostering connection? (laughs) Or am I perpetuating a cycle of disconnection? Am I getting to the heart of the matter? Or am I just simply addressing behavior? We're asking ourselves this question. Is God a punisher or a disciplinarian? What are you thinking so far? I'm thinking you haven't given me enough water. First of all, did you see that bullet? It was like a spiral with an empty thing. (laughs) There it is. Issue some discipline on that girl. She needs it. (laughs) I told you we were going to relate this to pruning. Let's look back at John chapter 15. You know, uh, John chapter 15 says, every branch that's in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. And, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. You know, we, we talked about the, the, the wrong lens that we use when we misconstrue punishment with, with discipline. So we've already talked about that. So the problem with reading, <laughs> you're so awesome. Thank you so much. I'm thirsty today. Extra, I think. I'm extra today. Did you hear that? Freudian slip. I didn't hear that. Probably didn't want to. <laughs> so when we get this misconstrued, we hear something like, oh, the, the, father, the father's pruning me. Oh, enjoy. I was actually the good kid, by the way. I'm the one abiding in him, bearing fruit, and now he's, he's pruning me. And I, and I think the reason, we, I've already kind of talked about getting the distorted view of you know, punishment versus discipline, but some of the reason is because a lot of us in here, we've pruned things, right? And, and just, it wasn't just a couple of weeks ago, I, I was out on my own property pruning branches, and you know what it started with? Me starting my chainsaw. And I'm like, like stuff's flying all over. I got like tree guts all over me. You know, it, it's like, it's a horrific scene, this thing called pruning. You know, and, and even if your vision of pruning is like the, 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 the pruning shears, at the end of the day, you understand like something's getting lopped off, right? Like, like, I came in with an arm, I left without it. Like, that's a problem for me. And it looks like this, it looks like this, like, horrific situation where you're like, like, I know intellectually that like, God is good, Pastor's been talking about Father is good, and he's great and all, but like a chainsaw, I don't care who you are, that's scary stuff, right? We have, like, whole Halloween events surrounding this very incident, 
you know? And it's like Jason coming around trying to prune little kids, right? This is scary stuff. This is Father God doing it. So the question is like, what does God use to prune us? And, and does it hurt? Like it seems like it probably does. Well, the answer is in verse three. Let's look at it again. You, you are already clean. The word clean is actually the word for prune. One's the, one's the action. The other is the result of the action. Same word. So in other words, like you're already pruned because of what? What's it say? Because of the word. Hmm. That's strange. You, notice that it doesn't say you're already pruned because I sent horrific pain and suffering to your life. It doesn't say that. Notice it doesn't say that, that you're pruned because I sent the most terrible of circumstances to you and you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome for that. It doesn't say that. It says you're already pruned because of the word. So when we're looking at this contrast between punishment and, and discipline, do we remember the, discipline, the definition of discipline? To learn, to educate We'll find out as we get a little bit further along that it's to, to come alongside as a coach, to speak, to give correction, to give verbal correction, to show uh, that there's a better way. But here's the thing. It's easier for us, this is the parent side of it, it's easy for us just to partner with punishment. Punishments get, hey, gets us the results we want. Shut it up. Mm, I got silence. Great. And it takes more of an investment from the authority figure, i.e. the parent. It takes more of an investment to be a disciplinarian than a punisher. Why? Because I have to now partner with this spiritual son or natural son or daughter underneath me. I actually have to partner with them for the long haul in this thing called discipleship. I actually have to get to the root of the problem if I want to see genuine transformation in their life. And that takes a little bit of time. That takes effort and energy from me. That takes me coming alongside and kind of going, hey, you're better than this. You can do, like, I see such potential in you. Like, you're, you're amazing. Like, God's put this gift of leadership in you, Toby. You know, it's like, like I just wanna, I'm going to call you to that. I'm going to call you to rise to that challenge. Like, like this thing, he didn't do anything. He's just on the front row. You know, this thing that you, that you were doing, is, it's inconsistent with your nature, with this new nature that God sent to you, right? It's coming alongside as a, as a coach, as a voice in that person's life to speak into them and cause them to move forward into the great and glorious purposes of God over them. But how many of you know that process takes time? Right, punishment is, listen, you better get it knocked off or you can get out of here. Discipline says, God has more in store for you. And I'm committed to partner with you to see you reach your destiny in Him. One's punishment, one is discipline. God's a disciplinarian. God is the great and grand, perfect coach who's speaking into your ear all the time if you just choose to hear him. He's the one saying, no, 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 don't, don't, don't say that to your wife. Oh. Like, hey, you need to take a minute. You had a bad day at work. Just retreat with me. Head out to the fire pit. Just, I just, just, you need to breathe for five minutes because your kids are going to come home today and you don't want to explode on them. What, what's he doing? He's speaking to you. He's coaching you. He's directing you. He's showing you how to live life. 
Now, so many of us, if you're like me, you know, he's like, don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, and I do it anyways. And then I'm like, oh, shoot. You know what God's not doing? He's not like, I told you, I told you to knock that stuff off. Like, are you an idiot? Like, I can't believe that you did that. Even after I spoke to you, like I was working so hard to get you to turn course, to do something different. Oh, now it's all lost. Now, now you're just, yeah, there's no turning back from that. You've ruined your life. You've ruined your ministry. You've ruined that. You've ruined everything. Where right, way to go, Jack Wagon. How many of you know Father God's not saying that? What's he saying and said? He's saying, we're going to get him next time. Here's the thing, son. Did you see what happened when you said that? Oh, yeah, I knew as soon as it came out of my mouth, that was the wrong way to go. You know, he's like, okay, I want you to remember that. I want you, I want you to remember this moment because there are going to be more moments like this in the future. The Greek word for this is pirasmos. It's the putting to proof. You know, how many of you know this life gives us a multitude of opportunities, a squeezing opportunities to prove what we really believe. What do you really believe? What's really on the inside? It's because Jesus is concerned about what's on the inside. And when you get squeezed like a grape, what comes out is either bitterness or it's the fruit of the vine. See, there's going to be more opportunities, son, for you to step into the same thing. And I want you to remember, I want you to remember this coaching session. I want you to remember that I came alongside of you. I want you to remember that I spoke over you a better word. I, I want you to remember that I've called you to something higher than this. I want you to remember the sting of the consequences of your actions. What's he doing? He's pruning us with his word. Let's just suppose that today, because you guys have been eerily silent, some falling asleep, others cursing me from their seats, Nathan Griffith's here today, <clears throat> that I go home just distraught and pound a bunch of beers and then decide that I'm heading down for tacos, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive while drunk. You know, uh, good decision or bad decision? Okay, I'm glad we're all in agreement. Really bad decision, okay? Uh, stupid decision. Like, why would you... What, get, listen, God's going, don't do that. Don't drink another beer. No, stop right there, right? Let's just suppose that I pushed past his word. And I got to that point, and I get out there, and I'm driving behind the wheel, and I crash my car. How many of you know Father God's not trying to kill me? He's not trying to kill me. But, but we wrongly... Suppose that all of these negative things, are, well, everything happens for a reason. I shouldn't have done that. I just had a conversation with somebody after first service, and they said they, they, they often, the enemy comes after them and says, yeah, you deserve that. See, we, we feel like we deserve punishment. We feel like we, yep, yeah, you crashed your car, you idiot. It's, you know, a little bit of good negative self-talk. Shouldn't have done that. That's your punishment. That's the due justice. That's the long arm of the Lord sending discipline to you. God's a God's not trying to kill you. No. Instead, he's the one coming alongside, speaking a better word. He was the one warning you before you ever took a drink, before you ever picked up your keys. No, 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 no. Why did you? And he's the one afterwards picking up the pieces with you, saying, yeah, son, that was not great. They're, they're really getting beaten down there, aren't they? 
<laughs> it's okay, I'll discipline Kayla later. <laughs> no, he's the one helping you pick up the pieces. You know, you're never going to hear out of God's mouth, you idiot, why, why, why didn't you listen to me? You idiot, why did you, what were you thinking? You've ruined everything. Never hear that out of God's mouth. And, and, and listen, and, and the car crash was not his discipline. That's not his punishment. That's not his punishment on you. Those are the consequences of your sinful actions. So where does, where does the pruning come in? He's coming in afterwards. I mean, yeah, there are consequences, right? You're going to get a DUI. Your insurance is going to go up. You're, you know, all that stuff. There's consequences to your sinful actions to be sure. And listen, and God will allow you to suffer under that. He will. He'll allow you to, to walk through that stuff. But where's his discipline in the middle of it? That's his voice. You are already clean by the word that I've spoken. He's coming alongside of you. He's speaking a better word over you. He's saying, I want you to remember this. I want this to, to imprint your heart. You're better than this. I've called you to, I've called you to better than that. I've called you higher than this. You, you, know, you, you knew better. Yeah, I knew better. That's okay. You are better. You, know, you got this. And, and Father God, if you'll allow him in that moment, will begin to address the motivations of your heart that caused you to get behind the wheel in the first place. If you just give him a minute in that moment, God, what was I thinking? Where, where does this come from? Why would, I, why would I ignore you? Why would I do that? Why, would I, why did I feel like I needed a drink like that anyway? Why did I choose to partner with that stuff? And if you listen, he'll go, ah, oh, it started right here. It started right here. And he'll lead you through a process of repentance and transformation and you'll win the battle the next time that you're faced with those same temptations. The discipline of God is the voice of God, the coaching, glorious, good, faithful Father who's coming alongside of me. Oh, he will let you experience those circumstances. But the circumstances are just because you sinned, and we live in a fallen world. The discipline is him. Is this making sense? Are you seeing the difference? Discipline, rather, punishment deals with behavior correction. Discipline deals with the heart. And Jesus said that we live in a paradigm. We live in this period of time when it's all about the heart. You can come on up. It's all about the heart. Amen? Father, we ask that you would help us to... I saw a... I don't know what it was like a connect four deal but it was like with skittles or something and they, they poured all these skittles in and they were all kinds of different colors and they went and they all filtered out into their own color you know it's just like and the person was like this is what it looks like when god's doing something i don't even understand and then all he orders it all you know <clears throat> yeah i can't remember why i was telling you that it was amazing though this is why this is what happens when you're 44 Start acting like Peggy Poitras. Poitras. Is that right? That's, not, that's another gal I knew. Poister. <laughs> Anyways, Lord. 
Yeah, line it all up in our minds. That's what I was praying. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Allow this word to leaven our hearts and order it according to your perfection. Let it fall in the right categories. Allow us to have your lenses. And the way that we reevaluate how we're dealing with our own kids and the way that we reevaluate even circumstances where we've experienced something with you where we thought maybe you were punishing us. We thought maybe you were inflicting horrible pain on us. It wasn't you at all. Help reorient those things in our history with you, God. In fact, this morning we just say, if there are any of those things that come to mind right now, we, we, we forgive you, Lord. <laughs> Would you forgive us for having a wrong view, for having harshly judged you when it wasn't you sending those things? asking that you would restore hearts right now, that you would restore history. We step into the grand exchange, exchanging our pain and our hurts for your joy, for your future and your hope. Help this not to just be a a message, maybe a challenging message, but one that literally leavens our heart until your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.